Hello, 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 and happy Monday, my friends. This is your girl, Amy Lee San Juan, and it is always my pleasure to welcome you back to yet another episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we cover topics across the Cisco portfolio to give you the insights you want and need. Before we dive in, a question for our listeners, is there a specific topic, technology, or solution you'd like us to cover in a future episode? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to share your feedback with us on Twitter at at Cisco Champion. All right, so today we are talking about Cisco's SD-WAN Cloud Interconnect integration with Megaport's Virtual Edge, which delivers a highly efficient, highly available, not to mention highly secure method to interconnect your enterprise sites and cloud workloads. To guide the conversation, we have some amazing Cisco champion hosts. Thank you, David Neer and Shai, and two amazing experts with us here today. Welcome, Aaron and James. So settle in and join us for the next half hour or so as we dive deeper into this topic. All righty. Quick round of introductions, Aaron James. Thank you for joining us today. We'll start with you. Tell us about who you are and what you do at Cisco and Megaport. Sure. Uh, so yeah, thank you. My name's Aaron, Aaron Royans. I'm one of the technical marketing engineers on Cisco's SD-WAN product team. So I deal a lot with our uh, cloud products and things, cloud enablement solutions and uh, things like that. A lot, uh, a lot to do with that, and, uh, as well as a lot of uh, some of our visibility uh, components to the SD-WAN solution. So, Hi, I'm James Makovana. I'm a solutions architect with Megaport. I specialize in um, our new SD-WAN product. Uh, I've worked with different Cisco partners in different countries, Ireland, Australia, Jamaica. I'm, uh, I'm based in Miami, Florida. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller to the Yay! Cisco Champion podcast. James, can I ask you to can can I ask you to spell your last name with the you know with my last with name is Mac, <clears throat> my last name is Michaelvana, and to make it easier for uh, you know when I'm speaking to customer <laughs> care agents, it's Mike Charlie Echo Lima Victor Alpha November November Alpha. See, I kind of did that with my last name. I'll be like. Oh, potato. <laughs> We're going to have a whole episode on your on your names. James, clarifying question on your first name. Is it James or Jim? Which do you put? Um, the banks call me, you know, credit card companies call me James, but most people call me Jim. So you guys can call me Jim. Okay. All right. We're not collecting a debt today, so. <laughs> All right, moving on. David, you're up next. My name is David Pinalanza. I'm a consulting engineer for Verizon Enterprise Solutions, and I do work with SD-WAN on a daily basis. My Twitter handle is at DavidSamuelPS, and well, feel free to hit me up. I'm always in for the discussion. All right. Mir, tell us about yourself. Yes, my name is Mir Mirosami. I am Principal DevSecOps Engineer in ITRAN. I work in day-to-day basis with all kind of cloud and networking in the cloud stuff fun stuff and i'm in love with cisco uh since 13 years ago <laughs> um my twitter handler is at packet uh i'm sorry packet route so feel free to hit me all right shy last but not least my friend i am shy silverman i'm shy but not really uh although uh and david <laughs> by the way love your shirt you're the one i want uh, I'm the director of network services for San Jose State University, where I oversee uh, the, the various network services. And, and the joke here is David is sporting a very cool SD Wancher saying, You are the one I want. Oh, you got it as well. So, suits you very well. 
I think for the episode of today, it's just spot on. Yes. Good job, guys. (laughs) We need to dress to impress, you know? Yeah, well. All right, Aaron. I'm going to give the floor to you. Um, Give us more background and context on today's topic before we dive into the discussion. Sure, sure. You can? Absolutely. Uh, So... You know, one of the interesting things about, uh, you know, historically speaking, when we talk about our WAN networks, uh, most WANs are built around a data center, right? Historically speaking, uh, most WANs are built around the data center. The data center typically has all the crown jewels hosted within it. Most internet access, cloud access, everything like that came through a data center. So we architected most of our uh, WAN architectures or most of our WAN designs around these data centers. And, you know, as more and more people are making the shift to SD-WAN and more likely a shift towards a cloud consumption model, that kind of architecture no longer really suffices, right? We don't want to backhaul traffic to a data center somewhere just to go out to a cloud that's, you know, uh, might even be in a different region of the world. And so as SD-WAN came about, we moved to a distributed architecture so people could start getting out to the cloud easier. They could start dropping that traffic off locally at a branch and they could get out to the internet easier. Uh, but the issue with that, or, or kind of the, the problem statement, if you will, is we had a lot of customers come back to us and say, you know, how can we get the benefits of a data center uh, and yet the flexibility and efficiency of using the internet? So in other words, uh, we want to use the internet because it's cheap, it's easy, it's robust, right? Uh, but we, we also like the, the benefits of a data center because we can aggregate our traffic. It's easy to secure that traffic. It's easy to run direct connections to a data center like AWS Direct Connect or Azure Express Route or something like that. It's, so it's easy to optimize that traffic. How do we combine the best of both worlds uh, to where we get data center-like premium connectivity uh, you know, at the price or, you know, uh, the, the efficiency of the internet, right? So the commodity, uh, commoditized form of the internet, I should say. So that's what Cisco cloud inter- or Cisco SD-WAN cloud interconnect is. That's kind of the problem statement that we're looking to solve. And then, uh, you know, we're, we're going to market with Megaport, uh, as our, as our, uh, helping us as our partner in crime to solve this problem for our customers. So yeah, that, that is an interesting uh, idea, Aaron, and thanks for sharing. Um, one question that I had was, talk a, talk a little bit uh, about the Megaport piece. I mean, uh, wh- what Megaport exactly brings to the table as, as a value and uh, the SLA part of that, that, you know, it gives an edge to, to really to, to prefer the solution over the uh, Internet. Yeah, I'm going to pass that one off to James because I think he's... Uh... I think he's better. Jim, better. Jim. Jim, I'm sorry, Jim. I'm getting used to it. Um, yeah, look, I mean, Megaport, it's it's pretty simple. We just sort of, you know, we make it easy to connect to the cloud and not whether it's public cloud, private cloud, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud. Cloud's pretty much what we do and we do it pretty well. So we've deployed hardware. We've acquired fiber connectivity in over 700, I think 700 at the moment, 700 plus unique data centers in uh, 23 countries around the world. And then what we've done is we've pre-built um, about 230 NNIs to all the sort of major cloud on-ramps. Um, and so then, you know, I guess the secret sauce is that we bring to the table is that we've got, you know, we've built this software-defined network layer on top of all this infrastructure. And so our customers can basically go into a self-serve portal and spin up a connection, a 10-gig connection to AWS or Azure using, you know, private layer 2 connectivity. 
and you know it can also build a connection to digital realty in London within a few minutes. And you know that's the good news is that now with this partnership, Cisco SD WAN customers will be able to now have access to our global SDN, and they can use vManage to sort of do everything that I've just been talking about. Okay, so you're bringing so you're bringing to to the customer then is this agility that you have built in on your current network, so it could be so it could be actionable immediately from vManage. So does that mean that I will just click a couple of buttons and then suddenly vManage will just speed the whole chorizo towards then a mega port and then oh look at my VH there. So is that the magic? You know that kind of power yeah. of of just being this kind of click user. Oh, I love it. So what's the, what are we getting here on top of, well, the, I understand that there's an agility part of, of the, the equation, but we're still talking about the internet and building SD1 networks has been all about not trusting what's behind you. You try to build a bridge on top of everything simply because it is easier just to build it on top and just go under, right? So it's just easier to have an overlay and then run BFD from point A to point B and then it works. What happens with my underlay? What's the power there? Uh, I mean, hey, first of all, I mean, Cisco does build a bridge to possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he got me there. <laughs> so, you know, I think the easiest way to describe this, to, to tie into your question there, I think the easiest way to describe this is when we talk about SD-WAN, um, generally speaking, people are referring to overlay networks, as you just said, right? So we're, we're building a bridge over the top of an underlay, right? That underlay could be internet, it could be MPLS, it could be serial connections, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, but we're building that overlay over the top of whatever our underlying connections are. What this solution allows us to do is through SD-WAN, we can orchestrate that overlay, but now we're also adding in the underlay, right? So now using vManage and using the SD-WAN controller vManage, we can actually orchestrate uh, not only the bridge that rides over the top, but also the, the underpinnings to that bridge, right? So the, the underlay in this case. So really, just, just to put a bow on this, what we're talking about doing is or the name of the game, I should say, is we're going to use the internet uh, to get your traffic to the nearest megaport-enabled data center as quickly as possible. Because we want to get your traffic off the internet as quickly as possible because we don't trust the internet, right? We It's it's efficient. It's good. You know, we, we, we love it in terms of getting us connected, but we don't own it. You know, we can't control any SLAs on it. And so the name of the game is let's get your traffic to the nearest megaport enabled data center as quickly as we can so that we can put you onto an underlay that we can control. So it is so hot kind of a hot routing. potato routing. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> hot potato <laughs> routing over the internet. Just get it there. So, so Aaron, just one qu quick question. I mean, this is an interesting idea to have visibility or at least a little bit of ownership at the underlay level, because in a, even in today's first cloud world, we are we network people are control freaks. We really want to control everything, even in the cloud environment. And now that you are introducing this notion of really having even a little bit of hand on, on the underlay and how the visibility piece of this works. I mean, how, how much visibility I get on the, uh, for the underlay? 
Yeah, most of the uh, most of the visibility that you have today uh, is is still maintained. So you still get all the same bells and whistles that you have uh, from the the normal telemetry that SD WAN provides. The added benefit that you get here is. Um, in, in addition to what you have from a Megaport perspective, Megaport has all sorts of tools that you can you can log into to to you know to grab telemetry uh, you know from their under underlay uh, and pull that into vManage. In the future, we are looking to take some of those same telemetry items, the 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 different um, loss latency and jitter and availability uh, uh, metrics and things like that from Megaport and pull those into vManage today. Uh, I'm sorry, pull those into vManage uh, into a single dashboard that you can review. Today, uh, you're looking at uh, the, the the overlay statistics that vManage provides. And then, as, you know, as, as some of you may be aware, uh, about a year ago, Cisco also acquired uh, Thousand Eyes. And so Thousand Eyes also provides another little level of uh, granularity that we like to couple into a solution like this. Now, it is it is a separate, a separate solution, so not so much a discussion topic for here today, but the nice thing about Thousand Eyes is it is not relegated to only looking at the SD-WAN overlay. It's, it's, the, it's a perfect uh, complement to a solution like this to allow you to look not only at the overlay, but also look at the underlay, look at the underpinnings as well uh, to see how both are performing. So I have, I have two comments here. Um, one of them is, so from what I'm, I'm kind of hearing like with the, uh, that we're doing here, it's the same concept that we've done with CDN for a while where we essentially used a, a whole lot of other data centers in order to accelerate uh, content delivery to people. Now we're simply doing this to accelerate WAN. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, and and then uh, we're talking, uh, for, I mean, for the users, you were talking overlay and underlay. Uh, I think the listeners would really like to hear a little bit more of if we can kind of break down into uh, what components are part of the underlay and what components are part of the uh, overlay to kind of clarify that. Yeah. So maybe um, a good way to answer that would just kind of tell you a little bit about how it works. So so what's what's a user perspective look like? Um, so basically, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a little bit of licensing involved, obviously. There's some there's some things from th of that nature. But what happens from a customer perspective is you'll log into vManage. Uh, you'll select the data center or the, you know, the 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 facility that you want to extend your SD-WAN fabric to. Now, uh, Jim can speak a little bit further on uh, the the specifics of what that on ramp looks like and and what uh, what Megaport can connect you to. Uh, but what you're doing as a customer is you're selecting out of those you know 700 some odd data centers or whatnot or 700 you know several metros that that we're in. Uh, what you're doing is selecting a facility that is. Um, of strategic value to your users. In other words, uh, a, a big pocket of your users might be in Texas or a big pocket of your users might be somewhere in the UK. I'm going to find a Megaport enabled data center that is in the UK somewhere, right? Or it, that is in Texas somewhere. It's, it's strategically important to my business. So from vManage, I can select that data center and, and it's a very quick workflow. Uh, I essentially select that data center and I click go uh, vManage will then programmatically log into that data center using an API and it will automatically build a virtual Catalyst 8000V, so our, our virtual uh, new generation of ISRs. So it'll put a router there in... Mm -hmm. And that's like a wet chimichanga, the, the new ISRs, I believe, right? <laughs> that's With right. all the extra right. sauce. Yes, all that, all that extra sauce. Um, 
Yeah. So it will, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll put in a virtual SD-WAN router sitting out at that co-location facility or out, uh, at that, at that mega port facility. Uh, and, uh, it will connect it to your SD-WAN fabric. It all happens under the covers. Uh, you don't need to worry about provisioning that router or anything. You just select the data center that you want to extend to. And then again, SD-WAN will optimize traffic to that data center. And then it's up to you uh, to decide where you want to go from there. What, Where do you want to start building direct connections to? Uh, and, and like I said, I think Jim can probably speak a little bit more to that in terms of how you can, uh, you know, what, what you can branch off to from there and what you can connect to. But uh, it's a pretty simple workflow. And, and really, uh, like I said, the, the Cisco SD-WAN piece, we're just extending our SD-WAN fabric uh, or extending our, yeah, extending our SD-WAN fabric to the Megaport uh, enabled data center. Uh, and then from there, we can connect wherever you want to go. But now you're on premium connectivity. Okay, so pass, passing the hot potato to Jim, then how, how can we then, well, handle all this, the, I would say, this selection of where do you branch and all that once you are in the Megaport realm? Yeah. That's a good question. I think, well, I'll talk about a real life example. Um, we have a Fortune 500 company that we're working with at the moment, and they've got like hundreds of sites around America. And their data centers are actually in the Midwest. So they're like in Dallas and Vegas. And so what happens is all their branch sites in Florida, where, where I'm based, for example, are all building tunnels over the internet to get back to their data center. And then from the data center, they're actually going back all the way across America to AWS in Virginia. So this is actually obviously adding a lot of latency. And what, what uh, we're working um, with this customer specifically is they, they've they brought up uh, an interconnect gateway, just like Aaron described, in Atlanta. And so what's going to happen is instead of the traffic having to go all the way back to Dallas or Vegas and then come across the country, which obviously is like almost 100 milliseconds because you're talking thousands of miles, they're going to build tunnels to this MVE, this interconnect gateway and be managed. And then from there, this is where you've got the options to build in the private layer two connectivity. So the, the your traffic's no longer on the internet. So specifically in their case, they're going to build like a five gig private connection, a, a direct connect to AWS. But they're also um, going to test building a private layer two connection all the way back to their data centers. So what that means is they can actually decide using, you know, vManage policies and features and all this sort of stuff. You can say, I want certain types of applications to, to use the internet, but maybe for my mission critical stuff, I wanted to go over Megaport's backbone and back to the data center, but also anything that's sitting hosted in AWS can go straight up there. And so they, like in that case, the Florida sites are seeing a reduction in terms of uh, latency of around 50%. So that's, I think, yes, you're right. The selection or the location or the metro where these gateways, these uh, virtual machines are going to be spun up is very important. I see Shai, I, I see Shai almost jumping on his chair, you know, trying to ask something. <laughs> you kind of brought up an interesting uh, point. I mean, we're all network, uh, network uh, heads here. This is all about networking. And uh, can you follow up with like uh, how uh, redundancy and convergence works in this configuration when you have a failure? Yeah, so uh, the uh, Cisco SD-WAN essentially manages the redundancy for us. Okay, so when you go through the workflow, uh, you'll build that interconnect gateway, uh, as Jim was describing, uh, and I described earlier. That router will be spun up within the uh, Megaport-enabled data center, wherever, wherever that may be, wherever you chose. Um, 
Now, part two to this equation is uh, you you have the option, uh, and we typically recommend this for redundancy purposes, but you have the option of actually building two uh, routers. So you can choose uh, a, a completely different uh, data center, uh, megaport-enabled data center within that same metro, right? So if you chose Atlanta, just to use Jim's example from previously, uh, you could choose uh, to build your router in one area of Atlanta, and then choose to build a second router in another area of Atlanta. So you're in the same metro, you're getting the same services, the same you know the same aspect uh, from that perspective. Uh, but then you'll use SD-WAN, uh, and SD-WAN will optimize traffic to those uh, facilities. So in this case, we're using things like uh, bidirectional forwarding detection, or BFD, uh, to start measuring the loss latency and jitter to each one of these uh, each one of these facilities, and if we start to notice that one of those facilities is not performing very well, or it's just it's hard down for whatever reason, we've had an issue or something, uh, we can count on SD WAN to immediately divert traffic over to uh, to one of the secondary facilities. So that's also applicable for cloud to cloud kind of scenario, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So just a. <clears throat> Just on the cloud-to-cloud -cloud thing, it's uh, one of the use cases we've been discussing with the, the Cisco guys. So, like, if you spun up an MVE in Ashburn, for example, where majority of the cloud providers are sitting on the East Coast, you can actually use that interconnect gateway to build, like, an express route to Azure and then another connection back out to AWS. And so you could actually link, and this is true multi-cloud, you could actually uh, send traffic between AWS and Azure without having to hairpin all the way back to your data center, which is the normal setup. Or, you know, some people set up tunnels, but there's speed limitations and there's cost impact there. And to be honest, I've tested setting up something between GCP and AWS. Virtual machine to virtual machine, I was getting like sort of sub three milliseconds, two and a half milliseconds. Like it's pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, you brought up the multi-cloud, Jim. Um, so you have native support in which cloud providers today? Uh, AWS, Azure, Google, Oracle, IBM, uh, oh, Nutanix. Uh, it's all over the place. Uh, yes. Alibaba. I mean, you name it. <laughs> we're, we're, we basically, I mean, if you go to megaport.com, you can see there is literally hundreds and um yeah. say you know the, the great thing is that once you're on our fabric you can jump onto any on-ramp and so you know obviously there's a difference between cloud region and the on-ramp but uh you know if you wanted to build a connection from atlanta and appear at the sydney asia pack aws region you could and again it can all be done through wow. manage uh, go ahead david no well that that's a, the, the other pending question we had with regards to this then then well this is, I would say that this is addressing the elephant in the room because we love to discuss features, but then suddenly when somebody wants to implement it, ah, you're missing a license. So which are the licenses <laughs> that we would need for this? No, before, I don't want to raid on anybody else's parade. It sounds awesome to have it because yeah. honestly, having all the we still some things is fantastic and I love it. But okay, also people would ask, so what do I need for this? because we have DNA yeah. and several of the tiers and DNA. So so do you want to then split in half, right? Because we will need then the Cisco and the Megaport part. So Adam, do you want to hit it first? And then yeah, we'll jump into sure, game? sure, sure. Okay. So the um, we're trying to make this as simple as possible. And now the, we, we are on the DNA uh, bandwagon, right? So, and it is a bring your own license model. 
Okay, so if you were to come to Cisco and say, hey, this is a really cool solution and I, I want to do it. The Cisco accounting that you're working with um, can uh, quote you on the license that you'll need in order to spin up that router. Now, what do I mean by that? So you're going to need a DNA license within SD-WAN in order to spin up a router, a virtual router inside the Megaport facility. Okay, so that that's kind of a given. Any router that you spin up in SD-WAN, you're going to have to have that license. Okay, so you'll need that license, right? And then there's two additional licenses that you're going to need uh, from a Megaport perspective. The first one is the the MVE license. Uh, you heard you heard Jim referring to MVE, uh, Megaport Virtual Edge. This is equivalent to uh, purchasing some compute space, uh, like a AWS, for instance, you'd, you'd purchase like a C5.x large uh, compute footprint, something like that with some RAM, disk space, uh, uh, and, and CPU uh, horsepower, right? So you'll need a license to, to make use of the Megaport compute sitting in their data center. Right. So there's there's two licenses there. And then the third thing you need is virtual cross connect licensing. And this is the actual bandwidth that you're going to use to connect from one facility to another or from, uh, you know, from that facility into a cloud location. Now, what just to wrap up on that, the the what we're trying to do is make it as simple as possible. So if you're you know interested in a solution like this, the Cisco account team can help you acquire every you know everything you need. You don't need to go to Megaport directly and say, hey, you know I you know I want this you know I want to be able to do this solution. Uh, the Cisco account teams are are um, trained, for lack of a better word, to 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 work. They'll they'll work on your behalf with the Megaport account team to uh, uh, to get you to get you squared away with what you need. Okay, so if we can go to Cisco and get this sorted, then what we what would we say to the typical old grumpy engineer in the back of the room saying that it is better to run IPsec and that's all? So what would be the difference between really running this IPsec tunnel or getting anything different? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, at the end of the day, you can run you know, a Cisco Edge device in the cloud in AWS Marketplace, and that's fine. But, you know, there is... There's a couple of limitations. One is there's potentially speed limitations based on the size of the virtual machine you have spun up in there, and you know the amount of tunnels and things you can have. But uh, you know, you know, one of the things we have noticed when we've been doing a lot of testing is really around the, the jitter. Um, so yes, latency is a big deal and stuff like that, but jitter can also um, have a major impact. And once you're on our backbone, it's obviously private layer two connectivity, so it's not going over the public internet, but the biggest thing that, you know, whenever I speak to customers is the egress fees. So for, I mean, I, I'm assuming most of you guys probably know, but maybe some people listening don't know that putting data into the cloud is free, taking it out generally isn't. <laughs> and, um, you know, the hyperscalers on average will charge every gigabyte you pull down over the internet, they're going to charge you 10 cents a gig. Um and that, you know, if you're suddenly starting to move a lot of data, that can get very expensive, especially if you're, whether you're pulling it from the cloud into your data center or you're moving from a cloud to another cloud. And so when you move across to private connectivity and away from the internet, um, for example, with Megaport and, and this solution, the, the egress fees drop to about two cents a gig, which so like a 75, 80% saving on average is what you'll see. Oh, so that's that can be a big. A, there's a definitely a tipping point for a lot of enterprises and customers where it just makes sense to move away from IPsec tunnels. Yeah, and I would also maybe to dovetail on that just real quick. One other thing is the the solution is also still using IPsec, right? So even though you've you've so if if the conversation is more centered around security and and not so much 
you know, connecting to the cloud is one thing, but also securing that traffic to the cloud. Um, you're still running an SD-WAN fabric to the Megaport facility, right? So that traffic is still is still secured. So uh, just to just to kind of tackle that security element as well, uh, nothing goes away from that front. So so Megaport's visibility to my traffic is zero knowledge encryption. Yeah. So uh, as it is today, what we do is, uh, like I said, we'll extend the SD-WAN fabric into uh, the Megaport facility. That is the SD-WAN fabric that. It, all of our listeners here today probably know and love that you know, it's 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 IPsec, it's AES encrypted, all that's that's all well and good. Now, once we hit the Megaport facility, uh, that traffic going from Megaport out to AWS, that is a private layer two connection. Uh, and today, that uh, that traffic that's not encrypted. That that since you own the circuit, essentially, you own you own that uh, that that bandwidth. We don't encrypt that in order to uh, avoid the the overhead that that encryption costs. Now, in the future, uh, I don't know, we don't like to get too much into roadmap stuff here, but we are looking to add that functionality back in for our customers. And to be honest, nothing stops you um, as a customer if, if that's too much of a, a gamble for you and, and, and yeah, I, want to, I want to layer encryption back on. Uh, you absolutely can go back into that router and turn that encryption on across your private connection. We just don't automate. We don't automate that piece. Uh, again, and it's, it's more in an effort to remove the overhead off of the router since you do essentially own that bandwidth. That's a, that's a good point because some of the customers, especially financial firms and banks, they, they require, or those who do like e-commerce, they require PCI DSS kind of uh, compliance requirements or things like that, that, that requires end-to-end encryption. So, th- so the feasibility and the feature is there. We can do that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So... <clears throat> This is shy. So uh, I'm kind of wondering, I mean, we talked about DNA, we talked about uh, DNA licensing, we're talking about uh, uh, multi-cloud, software-defined networks. Uh, So, I mean, are we able to extend the SDA using the uh, the SD1 fabric? And also, what else are we able to extend at that point? Yeah, so I think as a version, oh gosh, 20.4 or 20.4, Five maybe um, we Cisco officially announced support for uh, secure group tagging technology or SGTs. Uh, so our SD-WAN fabrics can now support uh, SGT transport. And so what that means for our customers and our listeners here today is, if you do want to extend an SD SDA software defined access, uh, if you want do want to extend that into the cloud, SD-WAN now fully supports it. So you can you can extend all of your uh, SGT tagging mechanisms all the way up into the cloud, and you can utilize SDA for uh, all of your um, user-to-user, or I should say machine-to-machine traffic within the cloud or even to the cloud. So speaking of uh, Cisco platforms that are supported with the solution, w- what platforms are s- supported? For example, uh, Meraki, Meraki SD-WAN or anything in your yeah. family? Yeah, um, so... This is a, a Cisco SD-WAN solution, so unfortunately Meraki is is um, is not supported uh, with with this particular solution. However, um, the nice thing about it is uh, we th- the only real dependency on uh, hardware and versioning sits within the Megaport enabled data center. So earlier we mentioned an, an MVE, a Megaport Virtual Edge router. That's that's the interconnect router that we were talking about earlier, which is a Catalyst 8000V. That's really the only requirement in terms of quote unquote hardware software uh, within this this solution. 
all of your branch facilities. You can be running VEDGE, you can be running ISR, you can be running the new Catalyst 8000s. They can all connect uh, to the MVE router uh, or that Catalyst 8000 router uh, sitting within the Megaport facility. Now, do, do you see a lot of customer, I mean, we talked about using this with like a lot of uh, cloud providers. Do you also see just pure corporate uh, type of utilization for this technology? We do, actually. Um, this That's actually a, a really good point. Um, so th- really the top two use cases that we're seeing, one is site to cloud, which we've we've discussed at length already. The second one is site to site, which which is kind of... Uh, to your question, uh, so we have some customers that have a lot of branch sites out on the East Coast, some customers with branches on the West Coast, and currently, or even in other countries, uh, and you know, we're connecting those branches over an SD-WAN fabric, which might be internet IPsec-based, and that's all well and good, but you know, generally speaking, when you're going from, let's say, uh, the West Coast of the U.S. out to Sydney, Australia, uh, that can be 300, 400, sometimes 500 milliseconds out over the internet. Right? You might need a better connection to get out to sites and resources out in Sydney. Uh, this is a perfect solution to allow you that premium, you know, quote unquote premium site to site connectivity. So you can leverage the Megaport backbone to get traffic from one country to another or even across country um, at a fraction of, of what it used to take uh, over the Internet. And, and Jim kind of alluded to some of that when we talked about hairpinning traffic through a data center to get to AWS to go back to Ashburn and that sort of thing. You can leverage that same concept just for site-to-site traffic as well. Uh, if you if you need that that kind of yeah. Connection. So like, I'm I'm actually talking to another customer at the moment, and exactly what uh, Arm was describing there. They're considering spinning up uh, an edge uh, an edge device on the LA and another one in New York, mm-hmm. and then building a private connection between the two of them on the Megaport backbone. And so their other east east coast sites will then jump onto that in New York, ride our backbone all the way across to LA, and then you can so you can improve your branch to branch. Uh, you know, for example, VoIP if you were doing stuff like that. It really depends on the use case, but yeah, we're. Um, I think that's going to be a lot more important because, you know, yes, everyone is going to the cloud, but you're right. You know, there's still applications hosted in data centers. There's still a lot of stuff sitting on prem, and there still is a requirement for you know. As I said, VoIP, video, branch-to-branch connectivity. And I should mention, we, we, we automate that as well. You know, so if you talk with this solution, with the Cisco SD-WAN Cloud Interconnect, uh, you know, site-to-cloud is the first kind of automation that we can do. The second kind of automation is site-to-site. So if you do select two uh, megaport-enabled data centers on the east and west coast, and you want to connect those two together so that you can transport all your traffic from you know, across the country, uh, we automate that as well uh, through the vManage workflow. So a good question, actually, it's, I'm curious. So the tra- because the traffic is going as soon as possible to, to Megaport uh, backbone, do I get any uh, um, any capability to, to perform some QoS? Yeah, so all of the bells and whistles for SD-WAN are... Uh, still available to you, right? So you've got things like data redundancy elimination, TCP optimization, quality of service. Um, most QoS is not going to be honored out on the internet, but uh, the nice thing is uh, once that traffic does get to the Megaport facility, wherever that may be, 
um, your routers uh, are, are kind of are acting as gatekeepers onto the megaport backbone so that they can control what traffic gets out onto the backbone and at what what precedence that traffic makes it out onto the backbone. So absolutely, all the tools that, that we all know and love from QoS to compression to all, all that stuff is, is completely available. All the seven layer magic. Yeah, it makes me wonder a little because when when SD one started with all this, it was about you can build your network on top of any provider and stuff. You get your overlay and programmability and stuff. And now we're slowly moving into you can build your overlay, oh, you man. can build the underlay, you can extend <laughs> the branch. So eventually, it will be just Skynet. So just <laughs> your blood, stuff like that. Get let's get rid of the humans. It just sounds exciting because imagine a couple of, I don't know, let's say a year ago, you were not thinking, at least not publicly, I guess, <laughs> it did, you would extend your, your SDA fabric in some way, shape or form. You would extend some policies using SGTs and this kind of stuff. And now suddenly the fabric is going to be there from the LAN perspective. Your WAN fabric is going to be there as well. And then... You also can, oh, you know what? I need to get something to sit me. And then you will just hit a button. And then VManage is just going to create the other piece of the chimichanga for you. <laughs> so you get all the sauce. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. For me, this is fantastic. It's just giving you more power Well, from this solution itself. It's simplifying. It's, it. funny, it's funny you say that. We've sort of, I, whenever I've been speaking to people about it, I sort of ex- describe it sometimes in layman's terms as saying think of it as a turbo boost button for your sd1 network you know like <laughs> you know you remember when you were playing mario kart and you were driving around and then you would go oh, over the speed boost yes. and then suddenly you get the rocket that's the way i sort of <laughs> you i think that's a good analogy yeah, i think it, it, it is it is honestly fantastic yes and think about what what will really kind of blow your mind is if you think about uh we talk about programmatic access to Megaport. What about programmatic access to vManage? You know, all of this stuff is available through a northbound API. And so while we've, we've built these nice, pretty, snazzy workflows that you can go through and set all this stuff up, well, you know, for, for more of our DevOps, NetOps kind of guys that are that are maybe more uh, akin to using REST APIs, Python, and things like that, or Ansible or Terraform, you can automate a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, using your own automation. You can You can start to make decisions like, Hey, you know, latency is creeping up out over the internet between my West Coast and East Coast sites. I want to automatically spin up an MVE in my LA data center, automatically, or in, in the in the LA Megaport facility, spin up another MVE in New York, right? Connect the two, and then automatically adjust my SD-WAN policy to start pumping traffic across that backbone instead. So it really, when you talk about Skynet and, and you know, self-healing networks and self-learning networks, I mean, it's... It's really cool where, where the, what the future holds for, for what a solution like this can do. Definitely. The level of customization seems to just ramp up in a, in a scale that is, it, it's really hard to imagine it because the more things and whistles that you keep adding, then suddenly, then, oh, we got this new feature and then, oh God. There you have it. This has been another phenomenal episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I appreciate you listening in today. And a special thank you to our experts and champs for being a part of today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's topic, simply click on the link provided in the description below. And just a reminder, you could subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button now. 
I hope you all enjoy today's episode. See you next Monday. Thank you.